up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Creatives on Business. My name is Henry Marsh, and it is my job to chat to all of the amazing human beings right across the world. I see my computer is busy shaking over here and chat to them about their creativeness and how their lives tick and how they've managed to build a creative, sustainable business around themselves. My guest across from me on the interwebs, all the way in Hootsprite, I'm not actually sure if he's in Hootsprite right now, is filmmaker content strategist alex shapiro what is happening dude how's it bro how you doing mm. good man good it's it's so it's so good to to finally have you on the show we we tried to schedule this a couple of weeks back and then you totally just flaked on me so i'm glad that you're here finally uh sorry man yeah i was <laughs> i was on a hectic project where i was promised signal and when i when i got to the clients there was less than just signal there was there was the signal was so bad that the only thing that was like consistent was people's tempers because it was that bad. So, yeah. Um, so, so for the party people out there who, who don't know, I, I've mentioned the word uh, content strategist. Um, I myself don't actually entirely know what that means. So for the people out there, what is it that you do at the moment? Who is Alex? All right, so, yeah, so I do, um, so I'm a filmmaker. I generally direct DP or edit um, anything like digital content or commercial ads. Um, the strategy side has come in because of just kind of my background and then moving into moving into a town where um, I'd say people are still about 10 years behind in their marketing strategies. But a content strategist is someone who not only looks at the creative of what you need marketed, but we look at the full like encompassing um, scenario where if you're going to do a video ad, how are we going to target people with that video ad? And are we going to do retargeting? And with that retargeting, are we going to create like a sales funnel? Um, yeah. So it's basically just, I make sure the dots are connected and implement my team, like get my team to manage certain aspects of it. So that a person can generate sales. Um, I generally, I have a, a three month quota of like a three month term with my clients where if we create content for you and we do a content strategy, if you don't see ROI, then you don't hire us for the next three months. That's basically, basically it. Um, kind of just, I think it was just out of necessity. I'm very over this whole, I'm a content creator, I'm a content creator. You're like, that's cool. I deal with clients that spend, I mean, you've seen it here. Like clients spend massive amounts of money on ad campaigns and you're like what are the actual results i've seen a lot of those kind of briefs or the the what are they called man uh case studies and it just upsets me so yeah i think that's it's just something it was born from from that but yeah sort of do so yeah uh, and, and and i mentioned this earlier you're based in hoodspread at the moment am i right mm. So was the whole point That's of moving great. to was the whole point of moving to Hootspread this idea of wanting to create um, content for these people who are ten years behind in their marketing strategies? No. Um, <laughs> oh man, this, this is a real funny story. Uh, so I have lived in Hootspread now for a year and a little bit. Um, this time, no, yeah, actually, this time last year I was still calling it Herentisburg. Um, <laughs> I got, I got hood sprayed and Hainitzburg confused. So, uh, my missus is an occupational therapist and there was an opportunity. She was like in transition with work and there was an opportunity to open a practice here. 
Um, subsequently, it's just the weird how the universe works. A friend of mine was proposing to his girlfriend. He booked a place here. We all came here. And the meeting that she was having with one of the other medical professionals in town happened to be on that weekend as well. So she was like, hey, there's a meeting. Let's go. And I was like, you know, I literally, I thought we were in where we were staying. I was like, man, we are in the middle of nowhere. Turns out it's actually just an estate that's in town. <laughs> like it's yeah it's super funny um but yeah so i kind of moved and my thinking was because i travel so much for work my goal my goal has always been to shoot documentaries and make like kind of a more adventurous content like i want to i want to tell stories that have purpose so it doesn't really matter where i'm based that's what i told myself um but then when i got here i you know obviously people talk they hear you make videos and then you start chatting to a lot of people and I unfortunately made one lady in town cry I, I didn't do it intentionally I just yeah man like I was just chatting to her and she was like talking about stuff and I was like but do you do this do you do that and do you do this and she was just like I actually don't know what you're talking about and she's charging like these clients a lot of money and I was like oh okay and then she just burst out into tears and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. She's just like, yeah, I just realized that I'm so out of my depth here. And I was like, wow. So that's kind of, and then clients ask, you shoot a video and they go, but do you actually understand the strategy behind it? Can you? And here I am. So, I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have, I have had a brother who lived in Hoodspread. So I know the, the environment pretty well, but Hoodspread is like. Let's interrupt you before you, before you carry on. Sorry, before you. My, uh, my, um, colleague that one of my assistants that helps me here, yes. he was, your brother was his grade six teacher. Oh, hectic. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of people don't actually know where hood spread is, but it really is. It's sort of like this, this infrastructural place in the middle of nowhere, really close to the Kruger national park. Um, and, and I, I'm actually surprised that you have a stable internet connection to have this conversation with me. So uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to me that, and, and this is what comes back to what you were saying earlier, you, you're in the middle of what is perceivably like nowhere, but you're still able to do your job and you're still able to create value for people. Mm -hmm. um, and we were chatting just, be, just before we started with, the, with this conversation actually about how photography and videography and the whole content creation movement is actually changing from less of a, like a technical thing from like how to use a camera and quality and all that kind of things to more of a narrative and value add kind of perspective. Um, what is your take on that? Like, how are you, how are you able to create value for people all the way in the sticks? Um, I think one of the things that I've kind of, I treat every client, no matter what their size is, like they were a very high end client. So I always put together treatments and I put together kind of a storyboard and a net, like I try understand their brand. I'll ask them really hard questions a lot of the time so that I can kind of get my brain. Like I want to make sure that I understand you completely. Like we need to know everything, like just in a sense of, like just how how does your brand tick um and by doing that i oftentimes find like small little nuances that allow for like if it allows for like gaps like can footage be a bit shaky can i shoot this on my phone 
can I do something that does a client really need fancy transitions? And you know, like 10 out of 10 times, they really don't like mm. if, if your cinematography, like when it needs to look high end, if your cinematography looks really good and your photos look fine, they really, they're not too fussed. Um, I think the biggest thing has just been holding true to what is valuable. Like what value do they want to give? And that's just kind of been the process of being out here or any of my clients. Like um, I did a project last year in Malawi and you know, like literally halfway through the, the clients, it, it's ironic that you said uh, Trump because he was, he happened to be part of the, the three clients that were in that, in that uh, situation. And he, he decided that, or his representative decided that it needs to be a full blown documentary. And it was, I was so grateful that I was able to say like, cool, I, I've had practice in a sit down. Let's talk this out. What do you actually want to say? Um, and in that they were not so worried too much of the quality, but more so they were more concerned of like, can we get this story out to other people so that we can fix this problem? And that was, sorry to interrupt you there. Um, so what I'm, what I'm curious about, and, and, and it's one of the things that I struggle with, maybe not necessarily struggle with, but it's always like a, a touching point with me with a lot of my clients. Do you go in and actually sit down and have a meeting before you even start sending quotes or anything of the kind? Do you phone the client and be like, Hey, I'd really love to actually just have a face to face meeting to understand what it is that you're, you're looking for entirely. Or does this process happen over the phone or per email or how do you go about it? Um, it, it depends on the client. Um, what I do is, so I'll give you an example. There's a client here. I've never physically met the guy. I spoke to him via voice notes um, and I just said to him, cool, send me your email. I'm going to send you something what I think, like, because he sent me a reference of what he would like. And I kind of sussed it out. The dude's an ex-Marine, you know, he's in the APU side of their APU NGO. So uh, from, from, I think they're based in the States. Um, so like already in my head, I'm just like, it needs to be very clinical and just very bullet pointed so i just kind of said cool this is from my understanding this is what i see and i just broke it down into it i mean it was quite a lengthy email but i just gave him a visual idea of what i was seeing from what he explained and that was via email whereas i had another client where i sat down for three different meetings um, obviously it was a slightly larger project so i was able to build for the last meeting which but I really wanted this client. Like they, they even now, like they've become friends and I just, they still one of the clients. Like I want them because of their values and anyway, but I sat down with them on three different occasions and really built a visual narrative of what they want. And I find that separates you from a lot of other people. Um, you know, I know it takes a lot of time. Like I always say, you've, you've got about 15 days of production that you can do the rest of the time you spend or spent in meetings. And those additional 15 days in meetings I've found to be the most profitable ever. Maybe you don't get the work now, but I've had it where because I drove from Hoodsbury to sit in a 15 minute meeting in Joburg once that has given me an 11 month long contract, you know, like a year later. Mm. so it's yeah that's just how i do it it just depends on the client really 
to give people a little bit of perspective over there, um, Hutzbreit to Joburg is about a six hour drive. So a six hour drive for a 15 minute conversation is, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I have had, I have had those meetings as well, though, where I, that literally they could have just emailed me. Um, yeah. but it's, it's also, it's, it's the risk you take. And for me, I, I like it. relationships are key. I think in this game, you've seen it as well, Henry. I mean, you know, from experience, like it really is in this game, not what you know, and it's who you know. And that, I guess that answers the other question with like how you navigate the quality of, of work is if the client knows you and they know you know what they want to say, they oftentimes don't really care about the quality. They'll be full, full trusting in you. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> we were chatting beforehand also a little bit about um, that, that, that exactly what you're just saying now about the content and the quality and, you know, I mentioned about this whole fact that my wallpaper is now a photograph of my dog, um, a photograph that I just took on my cell phone. And, and it's been really remarkable to me as well how the industry has changed so much about how people have become a little bit more value-driven and story-driven and narrative-driven. So how do you go about creating narrative um, you've, you've, you know, you've sat down, you've had a meeting with a client, you've sort of understood what it is that they're looking to purvey. What is your next step? Do you go out and storyboard or, or what's the next step? Yeah. So, uh, not on all, not some cases will just be a quick shot list. Like I'm actually busy with the script now. Um, but a lot of the times I like to do submit a treatment, um, even with photos, like I will submit basically just a visual style, um, so the treatments will say like the overlaying story, what colors I'd like to portray in it, what are the shots going to look like, what are the movements going to look like. Just basically a PDF or slideshow visual of what they are going to be getting from, from myself, whether I have to draw, physically hand draw um, a shot list uh, or like a, I've just gone blank what it's called, storyboard, um, or I can put use picture references. It, it just, I find it allows and manages expectations, um, especially being in a small town. Like I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like cause any bad blood. I mean, it's, it is a small town. People talk and it's really taught me a lot about business and that connection and saying like, look, this is the storyboard. This is what I've costed on. This costs X amount. If it doesn't fit, we can take this out, this out, this out. And it's not just a line item. Then it's a visual someone can visually see mm. this shot. If I take this light out, this side of your face is going to be dark. Are you okay with that? Sign it off. And that in turn, again, it, it makes the client feel like you're a professional. And what I've found, it makes them, they look at me and they go, okay, you know what you're doing. Um, and they also then see the value of what you're doing, which helps quite, quite a lot. It's it's interesting to me. Uh, I mean, I thought this. I thought about this actually yesterday or the day before when we were chatting via voice note. If anyone were to go follow you on social media at those moments in time and open up your stories, you are the most excitable human being on the planet. And when you sent me that voice note two or three days ago, and I'm like, 
who am I talking to? Is this even, is this even Alex? And like, I'm pretty sure people, people listening to this podcast right now, and if, if they know you via your social medias, they're like, is Henry even really talking to, to Alex Shapiro right now? <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about this, this persona. I don't even know if it's a persona or a second person that you create for your social media. Um, and do people book you just because of that persona that you've created? Um, <laughs> so, okay, I, I must preface this. The bush has calmed me down a lot. Um, I have become very chilled out since I've been here. I literally was even, I was actually saying yesterday that I feel like I've become lazy. Like I just, my values have strengthened and kind of where I'm going is, I don't know. I think I'm just getting older, you know, but it's not really a persona. I am generally very loud and very excitable. Um, yeah, it's, it's what you see on social media is really, truly who I am. Um, I think people just mistake the loudness. They oftentimes don't think that I am quiet. So they like, I am inherently a very shy person. Um, I know it doesn't look like it. It's taken a lot of time to become loud and a little bit, you know, obnoxious, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, I'm, I'm trying to learn to be softer and listen more and take in what people like, taking my surroundings like i just feel people don't get appreciated enough and yes that's great i'm loud i can make someone laugh but what if maybe they need to just have someone listen to them first and then tell jokes later kind of thing um but to answer the question of do i get clients because of it yes um i actually find if someone follows me on social media and hires me on that basis they will oftentimes hire me because they like the energy um the the things I get told are energy, honesty, authenticity, um, and like it's not bravery. What word was used once? It's it's basically just like I'm just myself. And they oftentimes when I do behind the scenes stuff, they can see what I look like on set, and that energy clients often are like whoa, yeah, that, that's really cool. I've even gotten repeat work where the guys were just like, we actually found someone who can do much, like much high-end job for a cheaper price, but we're hiring you because you're just stoked on set and that translates into the content. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, just, from, I, don't know, I don't know how to feel about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, from, from, from someone who knows you, from someone who knows you, I don't want to say too personally. Um, I, I mean, we've, we've known each other for a couple of years. Um, from someone who knows you, I feel like clients are also not, they're not, they're not silly. They're like animals. You know, they can smell non-authenticity, non-authenticity. That was a very difficult thing to say. Yeah. And so regardless of how boisterous and how loud and how over the top you might come across, you're also a very, very, very genuine kind of person. And, and I think that's what people latch onto as well. That's what I found with so many of my clients is people, again, will, will book me for recurring work. So not, not necessarily just because of the, the quality of the work, but because of who you are as a person, like you're a genuine person, you're, you're actually like a pleasure to work with. You're good. As you said, on set, you have, you bring a great energy, you're uplifting everybody else. And I think there's also something to be said about that kind of thing. It's not always, and I think this is going to be, it sounds like it's, it's becoming a bit of a constant theme with, with this conversation that we're busy having is it's not always about the quality of the content. It's about so many other things. And you mentioned earlier, um, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know and that relationship yeah. that you've built 
with people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, look, I, I, I don't want for anyone who's listening, I don't want you to go like, Ooh, I, I'm not gonna like the quality of work doesn't matter. So whatever, like the reality is if someone doesn't know you, they're going to judge. Like even now I'm currently in the process of scripting spec films so is that I can kind of pitch higher end clients because they don't know me and the higher end markets, you know, it's, it's again, it's another circle of people that you now need to kind of get to know. Um, and they do judge you on that. So I think just for anyone listening, always up your game because it just leads you to having a more profitable business. Um, and it's something I, I slack on quite a bit because of, of that. Like in my mind, yes, I really, really want beautiful work. But if I miss the shot, does it really matter? You know, um, like I have a, a film that I did for one of my clients this side where the first shot is a little shaky, like the opening shot. But it, because, thankfully I got away with it because of the, the, the narrative in the beginning was the whole, all the scenes were a little bit shaky to, to convey a story, but it bugged me for so long. And yet what is interesting is that video in its, I think it got 15,000 views in the first day of it being up on Facebook, which is like, yeah, no, cool. no boosting, nothing. It literally, they just put it on their page and it got tons of shares. It was very, for me, it was like a, on Facebook, it's a weird thing. Like Instagram, YouTube, okay, cool. But Facebook, I'm not used to that happening. Um, and it was interesting because a lot of people didn't even, actually, I'd never got one comment where someone said, ooh, that first shot was shaky. So, yeah, it's, and now I've, I've talked myself out of what the question was. <laughs> But no, but I, I think you bring up a really valid point. And it's like, if people are judging the technical value of the content that you're putting up and you haven't done your job as a, as whatever, you know, as a content creator or as a filmmaker or as a photographer, if people are judging me on my composition or my color or on, you know, those kinds of things, then I haven't done my job as a, as a storyteller, as a, as a person who's putting out meaningful content. Um, and I think that's important as well. You know, the, your, your shaky cam at the beginning of a sequence should not detract from the actual story that you're telling um, if your story is good enough. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's important. What I wanted to touch on is I remember a conversation that we had um, a number of years ago. You weren't always in the content creation, uh, content strategy, filmmaking sphere. You did something else way before you, you started on this route. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Um, so I, uh, I used to own a construction company. Um, so my kind of story is I dropped out of school. I went and I actually did do, I studied at college for like, a year, I'd say a year because I was obviously 17 turning 18. Um, I did electrical engineering, left that, went to work for a construction company um, and then was poached, subsequently poached by another construction company ended up in their marketing and kind of client liaison. They thought I'd be great with it. It was terrifying, but I learned a lot there. Um, and I basically said to the guys, like, I'm either, you're either gonna let me buy my way in and we're gonna build something massive, or you're gonna go out of business because I'll start my own thing. And subsequently they actually did go out of business. Um, they, uh, I was chatting to, um, just via grapevine. And apparently when I left, it was, it's really sad. They changed everything back 
to their old ways. And they, uh, so yeah, I feel sorry for the family, but anyway, um, I started my own company and from that ended up getting into marketing and yeah, I basically just wanted to do something that allowed me to explore, see the world. And I always say is I wanted to see the world. I, I wanted to remember the world and I want to tell the world stories. So yeah, that's, that's my story. <laughs> I think it's it's a pretty good segue um, into a couple of questions. I actually asked the the World Wide Web, um, specifically people on Instagram, if they had any questions for you, and and one of them was actually about you and your why, uh, your why philosophy. So can you touch a little bit more on that? My why philosophy. Um, so a lot of people know me as the pineapple guy. Uh, because I have a thing called Spot Your Pineapple, where three, it's, this is my fourth year now. So technically four years ago, I, when I picked up a camera, I basically said, I don't want to do anything that doesn't make me happy. And I want to document my journey to living my designed life so that others can too. And I guess that's been the biggest why is I don't want to conform to society. You know, like you said, you know, you're a qualified, you're an industrial engineer, correct? So, yes. you know, you, you, you're an industrial engineer, like, but you, you've moved over to photography and it's, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, why are we conforming to what, you know, society says? Like, if you want it, like, I think it's just, it's just, it's happiness. Like I often, like I, I portray, I guess I do kind of portray it as like, Ooh, everything's figured out. Like I often sit and I'm like, I don't know what direction to go. Don't know what direction to go all the time. But the reality is it's because I, I like, I don't want to do something or make a decision that ends up, I go, mm, this has now put me in a corner that I, I, I regret. Like it's not where I want to be. Um, and that's been the biggest why is even like with filmmaking, like, yes, I started out wanting to do travel films, but now my biggest why is I want to tell stories that impact the world. Like, why am I, why is the story being told or, or why am I making this decision? Why am I doing this? Um, and that's it. It's just, I want to be happy so that others can be inspired to be happy. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I think there's a, there is a big movement towards people searching a little bit more for, for happiness. I actually had a conversation on this podcast with, um, Rudolph, the people will know him as the coffee guy, the, the, the coffee interview that I had. And he stated something and it was like, don't necessarily chase happiness, you know, because you can, you can find a, a guy, some druggy snorting Coke off of a, off of a hooker. And he'll be yeah. very, very happy in that situation. Uh, so don't necessarily chase happy, happiness, but chasing purpose. And, and if you know that, that yeah. I think these kinds of things align. And I think it's a really important thing to think about when you are making the decisions in your life about what it is that, that creates value for yourself. Um, I've seen it with myself where currently, especially with everything that's going on for, for people, I think we're, what date is it? It is the, the 10th of June, 2020. Um, so we are in the middle of the, the worldwide pandemic that is cu currently taking place. And sort of my own values have also changed. And just realizing that the people who are close to me 
really matter to me. And it's, and it's about spending time with those kinds of people. So, you know, like for the last nine or 10 weeks, every single Friday and Saturday, you know, you're, you're having a, a zoom conversation or a phone call with someone that, that means something to you just, just to let them know. Um, because I think there's so much negativity going on and it's really important to just shed a little bit of happiness where you can. Um, I, I made a, an Instagram post recently where it's like, it doesn't cost you anything extra to be a nice person, to just be yeah. kind to the waiter, to the waitress, to the person who's busy putting in the fuel in your car. It doesn't cost you anything extra to be nice. Um, and I think that's, that's also like, it's, all of these things kind of tie in. And I think it's a, what you said just now was, was really, really, really great about that. One of the other questions um, that was asked on, on the gram is, um, where should you start your, your freelance career or how, how to get started in a freelance career? Mm, that's always a tough one, hey? Um, that's why you're answering. Yeah. <laughs> um, geez. Uh, make stuff. I think that's just the biggest, biggest thing is proof of concept. Like the reality is where to start is not necessarily where you're going to end up, mm. but at least give yourself a year and say, cool, well, this is my goal. I want to go here. And you know, like, the, the answers will kind of, or the, the direction will come, but start making stuff that, that like direct, like kind of direct you to that. Yes. You know, shoot. Or like if let's say you're an illustrator and you want to do, I don't know, uh, magazine illustrations, for an example, learn everything else because that will help create, like, I mean, I'm a filmmaker, but I spend a lot of time learning Illustrator and, and animations and fonts. I love fonts. Type, like typography, dude, just blows my mind. <laughs> like, I don't know why. But again, it's because it's now something that when you, when you do do a film, it's, it's just it's that you can draw from that kind of information almost to create something unique and kind of stylistic to you. Um, and that's what will formulate. Uh, I, a good kind of base is find three people that inspire you the most and try make combine their work. So find someone who has colors that inspire you, someone who has a look that inspires you and someone that has a direction that inspires you for an example and go, okay, cool. How do I do that? And then from there you can just learn and start. And then once you have a proof of, I actually have a book. Um, it's called, uh, uh, what, what is the filmmaker says or something like that. And the, there's a famous quote where this guy says, doesn't matter who you grab, grab your mother, your sister, or your brother, shoot a video and slap directed by on it. Congratulations. You're a director. Now go show people your work. Yeah. And that's basically it is just make content all the time. We'll make films, make photos, make art, like do it. And people will, build it and they will come yeah <laughs> um I, I think that's one of those other things is like especially when i started getting into photography and and as you said this is not just about photography or film filmography filmography that's the right word i mean we'll um, take it we'll take it <laughs> <laughs> it's about any artistic field if you want to create the kind of art that you want to create and want to get paid to do it you need to actually make that content first um i've often told a lot of aspiring photographers who want to be like 
oh, I want to shoot fashion and shoot for Vogue. Then I'm like, okay, cool. Then go out and photograph the kind of stuff that Vogue puts in their magazines. You can't just expect Vogue to phone you up one day and be like, hey man, what's up? We want you to shoot our cover. You, unless you've shot that kind of stuff already. So it's exactly that, making the kinds of things that you, you want to be known for. Um, you know, yeah. 99% of the work that I create is, is event and, and wedding photography. You won't see much of that in my portfolio or my, my realm of social medias um, because what I'm really, really passionate about and the kind of stuff that I want to be doing is more fashion orientated and that's the kind of stuff that I put out. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I want to touch on is, is what you were saying about finding the three content creators or, or three people who really inspire you and, and amalgamate and put all those concepts together to create your own style is something that Tim Ferriss has, has been known to say. And I think he's, he's taken it from the, yeah. I can't think of the guy's name, um, but he's the, he's the creator of Dilbert. And it's become, okay. it's become proficient at two skills, two different things and then combine those two things. So, you know, the creator of Dilbert was, was really good at creating comics um, and he was a comedian. So he put the two together and he created this really popular comic strip that, that is now worldwide renowned and things. So I think that's also, that's a, that's a valuable, ooh, wow, English at the moment. Sure. It's a very valuable <laughs> takeaway. <laughs> um, I actually remember Tim Ferriss, I watched that thing with Tim Ferriss talking about that. I actually completely forgot about that. That's... Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, it's value, it's value, it's value. So I, I like that you've, you've brought it full circle into that. Another question um, from the gram is, and this is actually something that I, I want to desperately know from you is, again, if you follow any of your work on Instagram, you'll see you are constantly, consistently always busy on Instagram posting stories and you're like, you know, hyper and amazing and just like full of life. How do you stay consistent? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like, I haven't posted, like I've posted so sporadically on social media at the moment. Um, just because I've been so busy and haven't really shot any personal content. Um, but, uh, I guess, you know, you've got to think, I actually read this yesterday and it hones really true is you've just got to look at yourself and kind of figure out your baseline. Like, is your baseline your personal brand? Great, if it's your personal brand, don't think of yourself of where do I want to be? Think of yourself of who do I want to be? Mm. Um, and that will allow you to stay more consistent because it enables you to showcase who you are and what you're learning. Like right now, I guess the people who follow me, including, <clears throat> oh man, this is, this is funny a DP that I aspire to, to be as good as like properly do this guy. I mean, I'm, I've known him for quite some time because of BMXing and like, he just, he's just such a rad dude, just in his person, in his work. Amazing. Started following me because of certain um, shows and things. And then anyway, subsequently he's stoked to watch my stuff. Not because he's like, I know you can make videos, but I'm learning about like the bush at the moment. So like I'm learning how to track, I'm learning the trees, I'm learning soil substrates. I'm learning like animal behaviors, you know, like basically like field guard stuff. Um, and people are, are loving it because it's, it's, it's just something true to, to who I am. And 
in that people are like super stoked. So the consistency then just kind of happens because it's like, Hey, look at this Ledwood tree. Like this is what I've learned about it today. And it wasn't like I had to sit and think of how am I going to make this insane content, you know? Um, and things like I'm, like I mentioned earlier, I'm sh shooting a few spec videos, you know, again with consistency, it's documentation in that, you know, like the photos don't need to be perfect. They just need to be narrative driven. So you got to, to be consistent is to look and go, who do I want to be? And the rest will follow automatically. You know, consistency could be interpretive. Maybe you just post once a week. That's still consistent. You know, doesn't mean you have to post twice a day, every day, seven days a week. You, you will die. That's what Twitter is for, you know, <laughs> like or TikTok, even TikTok. I mean, try to post twice a day on TikTok. It is flipping difficult. Haven't tried it. I've seen it though. I observed it from a distance because it looked dangerous. <laughs> so I just was like, yo, yeah, yeah man. <laughs> yeah. I hope that answers the question. No, I love that. I love that answer because again, and, and people will know me as the kind of person, you know, I, I reference a lot of people like Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss and, and specifically now with Gary V. Gary V has been known to say that documents overcreate. And, and that's exactly what you were just saying now is you don't always have to come up with this amazing story to post that onto social media and it has to be every single day and it needs to be perfect. You know, you're just talking about this tree that you learned about today is still posting out content and putting out things that might be interesting to someone else. Uh, and you, you just said you didn't have to think so hard about it because it was just something that you learned. And so you're just documenting this process. And I, I love that. I love that. I really, really, really love that. Um, so we've spoken about your why philosophy. What is it that you believe that some people might think is absolutely crazy? Uh, man. That's a, that's a tough one because I actually got to think of what people don't think is crazy. Um, <laughs> like I, every time I open my mouth, people are just like, mm, no, it's not possible. And I know, like, I know it sounds really obnoxious, but it's, it's the truth. I mean, like I remember I said I was going to do, I was going to be a travel filmmaker. Three months later, I met you at Splashy Fen on a six week trip around KwaZulu-Natal that I was paid to be on, you know, mm. like, I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I was everything. A lot of my beliefs, people tend to think are very weird. Like just, I guess the nature of challenging the norm. So I don't actually know how to, to answer that, that one. One of the questions is, it's not written down here, but it's something that I've asked on the podcast before. And, and I feel like this is a great segue into this question is, what is one of your favorite failures? Um, because I feel like you're the kind of person who you set your mind to do something, you know, so you wanted to become a, a travel filmmaker and then you just went and did it. So what's one of your favorite failures? What's something that you may have said that you want to do and you kind of tried it and then it didn't work out, but something else cooler than that happened from it. My favorite failures. Um, hmm. Uh, wow. That is, Henry, you got me. Um, I thought I had an answer to this one, but I actually don't. Um, a favorite failure, favorite failure. So in all, can I, can okay. I, to, give you, to give you an example. So for, for myself, um, one of my favorite failures in life, and I haven't spoken about this too openly or too publicly is like, okay, cool. So I went and studied engineering and I ended up, 
having the university ask me to leave at some point between my first and third year of studying because my marks were so bad. Um, and I was in such a deep, dark, depressive hole that I actually picked up a camera to express myself. And it's because of that reason that I'm, a, that I'm a photographer. So that's a, one of, it's an example of, of, a, of a failure okay. that turned out into something that, that became that is Okay. I think then, sure. This is, okay. This one's quite, quite deep, but like, um, that takes it, man. I didn't know that. I'm, yeah. I feel like I need to give you a hug now. Oh, I can just thanks. come here, man. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, I'd say the biggest failure was listening to my parents. Um, I grew up with my parents being a little bit absent and trying to, I guess, as I got older, I tried to rekindle that relationship by listening to them and their advice. And that was probably it was the worst thing that I ever did. But at the same time, I'm so glad because it taught me the courage to say to them, don't give me advice. Uh, it, it taught me how to just like, yo man, like I appreciate you. I love you guys. I respect you for who you are, but you are not who I want to be. And it allowed me to realize that I'm my own individual person. And yeah, like I just thanks for supporting my dreams, guys. But like I need to go support my own dreams. Mm. Um, so that was that was a big a big failure. I think that I'm glad happened. Really, really glad that it happened. Sure, I, I think the feeling is mutual. When you when I when you said just now you want to give me a hug, I, I just feel like I want to I want to give you a <laughs> hug now. Um, that's like two two deep stories that that we've just released into the world. Um, so thank you for oh, sharing. Man, I think I need a, G a GNT. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and, and in lockdown level three, we were allowed to buy alcohol now. So that's, that's, that's pretty great. Um, but thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I feel like this is, these questions are just segueing really, really nicely into, into one another, because I feel like at the moment with everything that's taking place in the world, um, I feel like a lot of creatives must be feeling this is what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? <laughs> Um, I, well, I, I don't sleep. I, I, uh, I, well, that, that, that's my tactic. Just don't sleep, you know, cause then you get ang anxiety. And then what I do is I, I wake up in the middle of the night randomly and I, I stare at the ceiling and hope that it gives me, no, I'm, I'm kidding. That does happen though. But, uh, um, when I feel overwhelmed, I, I find I have little things that are escapes. Um, I'm currently on a bit of a path that I'm trying to have less escapism and more self-reflection. So like I'll go stand outside and do some push-ups or something. And I, I write to-do lists. Like I, I really like systems and I try to systematize like my next action step. Um, it may take me a little bit of time, but yeah. And I guess also, I mean, you run your own business. When are you never not overwhelmed? Like mm. everything is overwhelming because it's always new. It's always something else. I think it's just, it's learning to go, cool. I thought about this. I'm done. Now, how do I think about the next overwhelming thing? And yeah, but those sleepless nights, though, you got to try those. Those are. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of like sleepless nights and, and you, you mentioned now like having a schedule, do you, do you have a morning routine and a, and a daily schedule that you, you, um, 
apply onto your living. Uh, I know a lot of creatives like to still live the whole nine to five life. Uh, I've never had that work for me. Um, I'm still very much the kind of person, if I end up being in work mode at 10 o'clock at night, I'm sending emails. Um, do you have a morning yeah. routine or a daily schedule? Um, so actually, funny enough, when I feel overwhelmed is mostly when I don't follow a, a certain routine. Um, but for me, it, it's very simple. If I wake up, I must go shower. It's just, I, I'm up in the shower, that's it. Like, obviously, because of the nature of what I do, that routine doesn't always get to be held up. But as long as there's a time in my day where I either shower or get to just put my headphones in and listen to music for five minutes, I find that really, like, music really plays a strong role in my life. And I find that's what gives, allows me to express a lot of my energy. Um, so, yeah guess that is the routine greatly and coffee coffee what's what's on your current playlist at the moment oh uh, you're gonna laugh at me <laughs> right now currently on my phone okay so i've got um french 79 thoroughly enjoying the synth vibe i don't know why um uh, mumford and sons and similar playlist uh chain smokers but what is on my playlist right right now it's the Bee Gees staying yes. alive yes <laughs> I don't know why I was just yeah I was in the car yesterday and I got out to look at a tree and like identified and I, I didn't look around me and I turned around and I literally just turned around and I was like ah, 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 yeah stand alive stand alive and I was like this kind of had to tell myself like, you should actually like you could have walked into a line bro don't be dumb like, <laughs> Uh, I feel it's also pretty apt with, with everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, so that's great. I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, man. <laughs> Alex, uh, moving on to the last question here from, from the gram. And this is again, it's a, it's a question that I've, I've asked on the podcast before. What advice would you, would you give your, your younger self? Um, I don't actually know how old you are right now. You don't have to tell the people, but 10 years ago, what would you, what advice would you give yourself? 10 years ago, I would have told myself to quit BMXing and or quit pursuing BMX in South Africa and go to the States where I was offered an opportunity and go see the world. I think that that would have been what I told myself. And okay. buy a camera, dang it. Like, why didn't I buy a camera? Like, so stupid. <laughs> um. <laughs> So how big of a role does, does BMX still play in your life at the moment? If you, I mean, cause it sounds like you were, you were pretty big into it 10 years ago. Um, yeah. So I used to ride BMX professionally. Um, and, uh, you know, I was sponsored brief. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Watch out for that. No, it's, uh, I don't know. I was, I can't say I was ever really like, I don't I actually don't know why people sponsored me <laughs> to be honest with you. Like I have an idea, but I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, now, now not so much. Um, I reference it a lot because it's you know it's part of my life. But I don't I have I don't own a BMX anymore. I haven't ridden a BMX in a while. I mean, I can still pick it up and do a tail whip. Like I think that stuff's so mentally or like ingrained in my muscles, physiology, um, and the injuries are real still. Um, that sucks. But uh, yeah, not not so much. Eh? Like, I think just it plays a role because BMX allowed me to it kind of 
excel in my filmmaking career because I had a lot of my friends or older guys that I kind of looked up to all studied film. So they could kind of give me pointers or not necessarily advice. They would often point me in a direct, go look at this YouTube channel, go here, go there. So that, that helped a lot. So I guess it did kind of help me to get you. Um, you that, just, make, that makes no sense in my head. <laughs> no, it makes, it makes complete sense. Um, because again, like it comes back to all these things that I, I often find that throughout whatever art that it is that you're making, you're influenced by so many different things. Um, so I often tell people like if they're feeling uninspired or they just don't know how to get started or get started, or they feel like they're not creative, it's just go out and do things. Um, because those are the kinds of things that will inspire you to create other things and it influences how you perceive the world and the art that you put out into the world. Um, but something I wanted to ask you now is, you mentioned YouTube very briefly. What are some of your favorite YouTube channels? And this is just a, a random question that I'm quite curious about. Oh, jo Johnny Harris. Love him. He used to make stuff for Vox and now he's very much on his own. Super informative. Love his style of filmmaking. The fact that he never smiles in his videos is great. He's always like, so serious. I don't know. So he doesn't sound like that, but he's <laughs> it's just, it's, it's amazing. Loving that. Um, I am I binge watch a lot of North Face stuff. Oh, I've seen that. Um, and oh, yeah, their fil their films are great. Like, I just want to make films like that. And uh, I'm uh, what else am I watching a lot? A lot of Nat Geo stuff. Um, what else? Kind of hold on. Let me. I guess I'll have to look at my playlist. But like, yeah, just a lot of um, I guess educational things really. So I'm I'm searching a lot on how to be a better director how to understand storyboarding and stuff better. So it's a lot of variants of different people that I've never, that they're not massive YouTubers. Um, like the Peter McKinnons and those guys are great, but I want to learn like how to make films, mm. you know, like, like you said, there's enough, there's enough information. You said earlier today, I don't know if it was before we started recording, like there's enough information on the how to's like how to do this, how to do this, how to do this. Um, but I want to know like, thinking behind like what made this director do this um so oh, indie mogul they're really indie good mogul. yeah they are pretty um and indie mogul and regarding animation stuff i watched uh, ben marriott it's m-e-r-o-i-t i think or something like that he does amazing animation stuff like he's taught me so much um and then uh, griffin f vfx or fx and who else uh, the future I've been oh, watching a lot of their stuff yeah, the quite a bit. If, um, yeah. if anyone's, if anyone's I, ever I, looking for an alternative to, to this podcast, I would send them in the direction of the future. Yeah, those guys are cool. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like what's on my, my viewing list at the moment. Um, used to be Beautiful Destinations, but I just, I don't know, this, this FPV drone stuff is cool, but like whole three minute videos of it is just nauseating. Like it just, <laughs> it's, it's so funny that you literally say that right now because i watched a movie i watched one of their videos yesterday beautiful destinations video on thailand i think they dropped it yesterday or the day before and i also i think i got like 30 seconds in and i was like hmm, no nope, i'm done i'm done like it's beautiful like i mean the the footage that they get is is absolutely incredible and their transitions and stuff the filmmaking is wonderful but it's just like the whole fpp vibe i was like mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm done. Yeah. Um, beautiful yeah, stuff, man. Like, but it's, yeah. 
it's not worth like I, I oh there's what well, there's a guy um ben tk i don't know if you've seen his stuff Mm-mm. like or jr uh, ali like their stuff is cool but i don't know like i kind of i think the only one in that kind of like genre that has done it right like sam calder that guy really does deserve what he's got because he he's dropped the amount of transitions that he's got his transitions now you don't know you're going through a transition and it, it's it's used in the correct manner to transition you to a new scene whereas these other guys like i just they make these like travel films and stuff and you're like it's great man but like slow down dude like i don't even know what that door looked like because that's sort of for two seconds whoa what where am i like oh now we're upside down okay so yeah it's weird anyways (laughs) (laughs) random random rant (laughs) um Alex, uh, starting to to wind down over here. Um, I feel like we've had a we've had a really great conversation so far. Even though, even the the <laughs> the twenty minutes before we started the actual recording of this podcast to it was was pretty great. Um, if if people if people pay me enough money, I might release release those twenty minutes out into the world. Um, Patreon <laughs> plug. Patreon <laughs> plug. <laughs> I want to ask you um, as we start to wind down over here. What is if you had this microphone in front of me right now, and it was plugged into every single earphone into the world right now, and everyone had headphones on, and they were just listening to this one microphone. What would you want to tell people right now? In three words or less. No, I'm kidding. Three words or less, yo. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe three lines or less. Spot your pineapple. Like, Go get your dream, you know, like, and your dream doesn't necessarily need to be what others think dreams are. Like if your dream is to have kids and eat toast every day, then that's your dream. Go get it. You know, like, I don't know. That's it. Just, just find the things that mentally allow you to achieve what you want to achieve. And if you're not necessarily goal-driven, you don't know where to go, that's okay. Go try different things. Like if you've never baked a cake, go bake a cake. If you've never tracked a lion, go track a lion. Like it's exhilarating when you bump into them. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's, I just don't think people experiment enough or they don't, they're not prepared to like, you know, they want to put on the makeup, but they don't want to go camp and actually see if they enjoy it. You know, that makes any sense. To yeah. to to but elaborate on that, you're not you're not being sexist in any way. Um, it's it's about it's about experiencing. Oh, sorry, no, no, no. <clears throat> yeah, sorry, no, no, no. I I actually, I just think I just think of a lot of my male friends who they like won't go adventure because they legitimately I've heard I might break a nail, and you're like, did you just say that, bro? Like, yeah, I just, I think it's just, it's, it's a real extreme meaning or like extreme example, but people don't try things. I live in an area where it's adventure based and I meet people every day who have never been up the mountain that we all stare at every single day, you know, like why not? Like, it's cool. You're comfortable, but why not? Um, I think that's, yeah. I mean, if you don't do it, you'll never know. It's like mm. eating a cabbage for the first time. Or what's a green that you don't like? 
Are you asking me or is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> yeah. No, well, uh, yeah, I'm asking you. Like, I don't know what's a vegetable kids don't want to eat, you know? Uh, broccoli. But yes, no, I get you. I get you 100%. Yeah. Um, Alex, yeah, dude, uh, thank you so much for the, for the chat. Where can all the party people on the interwebs find you? You can find, if you just Google some chap, S-O-M-E-S-H-A-P, you will find me all over the webs, on the grams, the, the TikTok grizzle, the Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook, like, don't do that's waste stuff, but YouTube, all of that, I'm there. Um, I, I once asked you the, this question, so I know, I know the answer, but what, is, what was the idea behind SumShop? Why SumShop? Why is your username SumShop? Why is your handle SumShop? Um, because someone took it, <laughs> took my name. It took Alex Shapiro already. The buggers. So it's actually a composer. She, uh, her, and I are always do them for Google. But it's just because I'm sharing a part of myself. So some Alex was also taken. So Shapiro is my surname. So I thought have some Shap. So yeah, we are. Like it's just I'm sharing my world with you. Love it, love it. Um, I, I say some shop. I apologize, some shop. Um, but I, that's what I used okay. to. That's what I used to legitimately think it was. I was just like some shop, like slacker. Yeah, it, it, a lot of people do. I've actually only ever had one person. I'm not even kidding. One person get it right the first time. It's like I don't know how they were just like that. Yeah, what I even asked. I was like, how did you do it? And I think they made some comment that I was even just like, whoa, you really thought about this, like. <laughs> science <laughs> oh, i love yeah. it i love right. it alex i really appreciate the conversation we've just had um thank you so much for being on the show and for everybody else out there who's been listening thank you so much for joining in i hope you're all staying safe staying sane and i will catch you guys on the next one cheers <laughs>